had a witness in this church that knew that God was good. I'm talking about a God who gave up glory so that he could be born in a stable so that you and I could live for eternity. I wish somebody in this church would get excited about the King of Kings and the Lord, my God in heaven. Hallelujah. He is good. Don't, don't, don't touch him, but look at your neighbor and say, he is good. Just tell him that he is good. He is good. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I was standing in the back. I was thinking about what I said, uh, that this has been the year of cancellation. And sometimes we, we do things with our mouths that we don't mean to do. And I've been saying that, and it's been a fact in the natural realm that this has been a year of cancellation. Uh, we're not going home for Christmas. It's the first time since we lived here. For 19 years, we have went home for Christmas and saw our family. Now, our family's not as plentiful as it used to be. Most of them have passed away, but her father's still alive. But we're not going in. We mailed presents home this year uh, because her father's not in the greatest of health anyway. And I would hate to be the one that brought something to them that, uh, made a detrimental impact on their life. I, I'm not afraid of it, but I don't want to be the spreader of it. Amen. So, so I'm just going to be responsible. And, and it's, everything has changed. And this has been the year of cancellation. But the longer I stood in the back and worshipped and thought about what I had said, the matter I got. See, there's an Old Testament principle that has nothing to do with my sermon. This is all free. You're not even paying me for this. There's an Old Testament principle that if you catch a thief that is stolen from you, they have to repay seven times what they stole from you. And the thief has stole a whole lot from a whole bunch of people this year. So I do not want to end this year on a down note. I do not want to end this year with your lips stuck out. I do not want to end this year feeling like you are lost or you have lost something because nothing has been lost. I know exactly who the thief is. I know exactly where he is at. And I know exactly who's going to make him. My Redeemer lives and he's going to make him repay. Glory to God. Listen, I did not pray us into this church for two years for this to be the season that we entered this building. And I, this is not what I had in mind. This is not what we wanted to do when we came into this building after two years of praying and working and striving and, and stressing and trying to move heaven and earth to open up the, the, the windows of heaven to get into this building. This is not what I had in mind. This shouldn't have been our first Christmas. I, that thief is a liar, and I know exactly who he is, and I know exactly what he owes promise of victory and let me tell you something it just makes me matter going into 2021 because no matter what he, no matter what he has designed for us I'm not about to let him make me feel like this is normal this is not normal God's going to bring normal back it might not look like it always did but this is not normal I don't know what normal is going to look like when it shows up it may not look like what normal used to look like but it won't look like this so I'm just getting good and mad, and coming into this next season, once things start loosening up, I'm, I'm claiming souls, I'm claiming victory, I'm claiming deliverances, and everything we do is going to be magnified because of who God is and because we know exactly what the thief owes us. Can somebody say amen? This is not what Christmas should look like in our, first, uh, in our first season here in this church. So that just tells me next season, we're just going to go after souls. We're going to go after the harvest. She don't know it yet, but I'm going to tell her while I tell everybody else, Michelle Insminger is going to put together a live nativity around this place next year, and we're just going to win souls uh, all over Weirton, all over Steubenville, all over Brook County and Hancock and Jefferson. We're going to win souls because the devil thinks that he can shut something. The devil is not in control. Hear me prophesy this morning. God is still on the throne. And his son born in a manger is testimony that God still has a plan. That no matter how down and out it feels at the moment, this is not where God has brought us to leave us. God is up to some good thing. Can you give him a hand clap of praise before I start preaching? Amen. So I am doing a series entitled, well, it's not titled Merry Christmas. My series is titled uh, Life Beyond Ordinary. And we've been talking for the past several weeks about how to live a life that is beyond ordinary. And I've been dealing with miracles. This morning, I have, I have tried to uh, incorporate the story of Christmas in with the series that I have already started. We want to live a life that is beyond ordinary. 
And we've been talking about the miracles that Jesus performed. So this morning, I'm going to do something different. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Christmas story, but I'm also going to tell you about a miracle, but not one that Jesus performed, but one that Jesus had a part to play in. Let me open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to begin here in a very familiar passage of Scripture during this season. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And verse 12 is where I'm going to build up my entire sermon from. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall... Find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Uh-huh. You will find the baby. I thought somebody might have jumped on that word already. You will. You should. There should be a pursuit. There should be a hunger. There should be a passion to find this baby. There should be something in you that is intrinsically uh, designated like a magnetic force that is causing you to leave where you are to find this baby. See, once you come to the knowledge that this baby exists, you can't stay where you are. you got to move from where you are to wherever you can position yourself to find the baby. I want this morning to talk to you about this particular baby. But I'm not going to stay there because if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the very beginning of the Word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible says in verse 2, And the earth was without form and void. But that's not all it says. It says the Spirit of the Lord moved over that earth. That earth that was without form and was void. I'm going to say that again. Where there was no form and it was void, the Spirit of God moved. We call that without form and void stage, chaos. So where there was chaos, the Spirit of the Lord moved. Wherever chaos existed and man couldn't help, wherever chaos existed and you couldn't help yourself, wherever chaos was, the Spirit of the Lord moved Right there. Now, why is that important for you to know in this Christmas season? Because in 2020, during the uh, season and the year of cancellation, it's important for you to know that everything does not have to be well organized or stable or calm in order for God to move. I need somebody in this church to know this morning that God can perform a miracle in the middle of chaos. God doesn't have to have everything uh, in a sedate state in order for Him to move where you are. You can be right in the middle of the greatest storm that you have ever face and the spirit of the Lord will show up in the middle of your chaos and show off who he is somebody give God some praise so we go over into the New Testament so if we're being introduced and we're going to find this baby I need you to understand how important it is that you know who it is you're looking for Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. I want you to say that with me. His name, Jesus. Say, his name, Jesus. Why is it important for you to realize that this baby has a name? I'll build, I'm going to build on that concept in a moment. His name is important. 
His name you need to know. His name will do things that nothing else will do. His name will show up in your chaos. If you want to know how the Spirit of the Lord is going to move in your chaos, you better learn that baby's name. It's not about trees. It's not about garland. It's not about a north star. It's not about shepherds or wise men. It was about a name of a baby, and that baby will show up where there's darkness. That baby is light. Where there's chaos, he brings sedation. That baby's name is Jesus. Somebody say the name Jesus. Jesus. And the Bible says he will save his people from their sin. Now it was by this name. The name of that baby was Jesus. Go over to Mark chapter 16. And that baby has grown up. And he tells his disciples in verses 17 and 18. And these signs shall follow them who believe. In that baby's name. In my name shall they cast out devils, shall they speak with new tongues. In my name they shall take up serpents. In my name if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick in my name and they shall recover. That name, you will find that baby. That baby has a name and when that name is invoked, hell starts to tremble because chaos can't stay where that baby shows up. And it's not so nameless random birth that baby's name is Jesus and when you invoke the name of Jesus hell starts to tremble because confusion is about to stop wherever Jesus shows up that would be easy if this was all there was to this story one of the most overlooked aspects of you being a witness to how powerful Jesus is is that once you start doing the right thing, chaos is coming around the bend. Uh-huh. I am reminded of a story that I have preached on possibly as much as any story in the Bible. There's a few stories in the Bible that I have just preached on and preached on and preached on, and I've preached probably 20 sermons from different uh, viewpoints of the same story. Sometimes it feels like I've just preached everything I know to preach about one particular story. But as I was praying over this sermon, I was reminded of a story in Acts chapter 3. The Bible says that it was the hour of prayer when... John and Peter were on their way to the temple. And there by a gate named Beautiful, there sat a lame man, lame from his mother's womb. He was begging alms. In other words, he was was asking for handouts. Peter looked at him and said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have is the name of that baby. (laughs) What I have is not just going to fix you for a minute, it's going to fix you for the rest of your days. What I have is not just going to buy you a cup of coffee. What I have is not just going to pay your light bill this month. What I have is the name of that baby. I have sought him. I have known him. And when I say the name of Jesus, strength is going to come to your legs and you will jump and run and leap and praise God. In the name of Jesus. And the Bible says Peter reached down and pulled this brother up to his feet because he invoked the name of Jesus. The Bible says that the place went crazy. Church broke out. Sister Suchy Much started shouting and the bobby pins come shooting out of her beehive hairdo. This was one of them holiness churches. We had brothers stacked up in the aisle like cordwood, people laying hands on them, speaking in other tongues, leaving Jesus' tracks on the ceiling. I mean, we're having revival at the house of God. Peter starts preaching about that name. The Bible says in chapter 3 that Peter started preaching and telling people that this name of Jesus was the reason that that lame man was in there running and leaping and praising God. And in chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Now that the lame man who was healed 
held on to Peter and John. Huh, they got something I want. I'm going to hold on to them. And all the people ran together to them on the porch, greatly amazed. And then Peter started preaching. And their amazement turned into something else. Jump down to chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible says, as Peter was preaching to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day because it was already evening. See, we were having good church. We were having revival. Everybody was amazed until they started using that name. Isn't it amazing in 2020 in America... You can get away with calling anybody anything, but you can't use the name Jesus. Isn't it amazing that when you, uh, when you go out, we're supposed to be politically correct and we're not supposed to discriminate against anybody or any kind of belief or anything that anybody wants to say. We're supposed to just go along with it unless that person is preaching in Jesus' name. Isn't it amazing that it seems like in America in 2020 there is no discrimination unless somebody wants to stand up and, and pray and put Jesus' name at the end of it. That is the only person in 2020 America that is outlawed and outcast and looked down upon. There must be something about that name. I, I don't know. It, when nobody wants to hear it, that must mean there's something about that name. I wonder why it is that when you say that name, people start to get nervous. I, I wonder why it is that when you mention that name, people start to shut doors and put their fingers in their ears and say, la, 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 la. I don't want to hear it. And they want to sue you. And, and they want to bring lawsuits to close things down. Why is it that people don't want to hear the name of Jesus? Well, let me help you. The reason people don't want to hear the name of Jesus is because hell don't like the name of Jesus. Because when people start learning how to talk about that baby and use the name of Jesus, hell gets nervous. Somebody give God some praise. Peter and John use the name of Jesus and a crippled man is healed instantly. But can I tell you that having a relationship with Jesus does not suddenly shut your mess up. See, they used his name with great power and demonstration. And then they went to jail. Because just because you know how to use the name of Jesus doesn't mean nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. But I want to, before I go on in this text, I want to frame and give you context for this story. Because the time setting of this text is important. This is not Bethlehem. There's no stable with a manger in it. There's no wise men showing up here. We're not told a lot about this crippled brother. We don't know whether he's a Jew or a Gentile. We know he's an outcast because if he was crippled, people wouldn't have messed with him. He wouldn't have been able to provide for himself. That's why he's a beggar. That's all we know about him. So it means that because they wouldn't allow a crippled man to go into the temple. Oh, you didn't know that about your brothers, did you? Back in the day, if you were uh, crippled, you wouldn't have been allowed into the courtyard of the temple. That's why he's outside hoping that some of them religious folks that he's heard so much about, but he can't be on their team. He can't join their church. He's heard that they are generous. So he hangs out by the gate of the temple hoping that some of them generous folks will throw him some dimes or some quarters or maybe a dollar bill or two. And so he's hanging out by the church, but he can't get into. He is denied access. And what excites me about this story is that that tells me that Jesus got to him even when he couldn't get inside the church. Oh, I wish some mamas and daddies with some backslidden prodigals would get excited right now that just because they don't come to hear Bishop preach doesn't mean that they are lost forever. No, Jesus can get to them if you never make it into the service, if you never make it up to the altar, if you never hear a word preached by the pastor. Jesus knows exactly where you are and can make your day right now. Now it would do us well to ser and serve us to consider the time that we find this story set in. It's not a time when everything is going great at the temple. Judaism is in trouble 
during this period of time. They are fighting to keep the status quo. Just a few years ago, this crazy, wild preacher named John the Baptist showed up out of the woods wearing, lamb, uh, uh, wearing some kind of uh, uh, animal skin, had, had honey dripping off of his beard and locust legs sticking out from between his teeth. I mean, he's a grizzly Adams joker coming down out of the woods and he's preaching, repent, repent, you're going to hell if you don't repent. And they don't know how to handle John the Baptist. He's been causing all kinds of chaos in the temple. And now, this other guy named Jesus, that baby, his name shall be called Jesus. And now Jesus has been causing chaos because he's teaching people that they can get to God without getting to the temple. Now, the Orthodox members of the temple leadership had decided this Jesus has to be dealt with. Because he's teaching people that they don't need a priest to talk to God. And what exactly are they supposed to do for income if people stop bringing their oxes to the tabernacle? If they don't bring their lambs to the temple, where are they going to find income? So for the sake and the survival of Orthodox Judaism, the decision was made by the high priest that Jesus has to go. So they crucified him. They laid him in a tomb. They rolled a huge stone in front of him to assure that nobody was going to steal the body. And the problem that they ran into was not that this ragtag bunch of disciples was going to come at night and steal the body. Oh no, the problem they ran into was that resurrection power was going to hit on the inside of that tomb and you can't keep a good man down. See, that baby named Jesus had a destiny that was bigger than a cross and it was out going to outlive a tomb. And when the devil put him behind that borrowed tomb and put him inside that borrowed tomb and put him behind that stone, he expected a dead man to stay dead. But you don't understand, this is not something ordinary baby this is not just another birth this baby and that name means that there is power power resurrection power in the name of so early Sunday morning resurrection power hits that tomb and Jesus in all of his glory comes stepping out resurrected and the tomb had been found empty the body gone and nobody knew what happened there was rumors that he had risen from the dead and shown himself to his disciples for 40 days with many infallible proofs and some of them had even said that they had eaten with Jesus even though Jesus was dead and couldn't be located but he had risen from the dead and they had sat down and had a fish meal with him And then there was this rumor going around town about an upper room experience where some of his followers had fallen out into the street acting like they was drunk right in the middle of the daytime. See, they thought if they could kill Jesus, they thought that they would finish the movement. But all of a sudden, things are getting stirred up again. And there's these preachers out in the city streets talking about Jesus is not dead, he's resurrected. And they're saying... Oh, I know he's dead. I saw him die. I was there the day he died. I was there when the soldiers plunged that, that spear into his side. I saw the blood and the water come forth. I saw them lay him in the tomb. And his body may not be able to be located, but I know what I saw. I saw Jesus die. Now these disciples are out stirring up the mess again. First it was John the Baptist, then it was Jesus himself, and now these disciples are out saying, don't believe what you saw. Don't believe what you've heard, because Jesus is indeed alive he was dead but he has come back I saw him with my own eyes I ate a meal with him and pretty soon you're going to see him too because he ain't going to stay locked up for very long he's going to show himself to you too so you have to understand this is the setting where Peter and John comes to the temple that day so when they're going to the temple at the hour of prayer it's not like you coming to church on Sunday when you come to church on Sunday everybody here agrees with you Everybody here thinks like you think and believes like you believe. You're in a room full of people that are in agreement with you. But they are coming to church where their theology is not accepted, it's not wanted, and it certainly isn't appreciated. 
See, it's always easier to believe when you can do it in a crowd. But sometimes you got to be willing to believe Jesus when you got to do it all by yourself. I'm talking about stubborn faith. I'm talking about radical, ridiculous faith. I'm talking about when you walk into service and throw your hands up and declare, this is the day that the Lord has made and I'm going to praise Him anyway. And you have been fighting hell all week long and everything around you is telling you that your world is falling apart, but everything that's in you is saying, I have come too far to fall apart now. And in the name of Jesus... See, it's easy when you got a room full of cheerleaders, but sometimes you got to be willing to praise God when you are down to nothing. Sometimes you got to believe God and His power, whether you can get a witness or not. If nobody agrees with you, if nobody is putting encouraging messages on your Facebook page, you got to be willing to believe Him in spite of what you see and in spite of what you hear. I wish I had a witness. Understand with me, you don't have to believe it. But I'm going to. Understand with me, this book has brought me this far, and I'm going to keep on believing this book. This book has saw me through. When everybody else walked out on me, it was the truth of this book that kept me going. When everybody else said it couldn't happen, it was the truth of that book that told me it could happen. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, devil. Take my car, but I'm going to keep believing his word. Yeah, go ahead and take the house. I'm still going to believe his word. Yeah, I'll stand in a welfare line and declare that God is good. I'll stand at the courthouse. I'll stand at the, at the jailhouse where my children have been locked up and say, I don't move because of the devil. I move because God is good and it doesn't matter what I see I'm still going to believe it if I stay in an unemployment office I'll still believe that this word works that would be easier if everybody was coming to church to serve the Lord if everybody was sold out and everybody had no agenda of their own and everybody was on the same page but here's one group who's coming to the temple the Jews who are trying to hold on to what they've always had and then there's another group the disciples who are coming to church and they're just hoping that the same power to help Jesus is going to help them. And then there's this brother who ain't there for church at all. He is simply there because he's broke and he needs some handouts. The Bible says he's been crippled since he was born. And he came to the temple not looking for a miracle. Not looking for a healing, looking for a handout. He's been lame since birth. I need to point that out to somebody because just because it's been tough for a long time, just because you've been struggling for years, just because you thought about giving up does not mean your situation is permanent, friend. That baby's name was Jesus. And when Jesus' spirit moves over chaos, chaos is brought into order. So you may have been fighting for a long time, but you ain't dead yet. You ain't finished yet. And you've got another chapter to this story. Don't let the devil tell you that where you're at is where you're staying. Because you may have only made it to the gate and thought you would die there. But if Jesus ain't done with you yet, hold on, honey. A better day is coming now I have preached on this for years and one of the fascinating things about this story is this gate because the name of the gate is beautiful it's a crippled man at a gate called beautiful it's a man with an ugly problem in a beautiful place I've preached that for, the, for, for all these years and I still am amazed how it can be the best of times and the worst of times all at the same time. Look at the gate, it's beautiful. Look at my condition, it's ugly. Look at my promotion, I just got it work, that's beautiful. But look at my kid that just got arrested, that's ugly. You can be going through your greatest day and your worst day at the same time. 
That's why you should never sit in judgment of where somebody else is. Because what they are showing you may be their best day, but you don't know that hid behind their best day is their worst experience. And they didn't even know if they were going to make it into the house of God that day. They thought they would sit. Now they were in a beautiful place. And when you look at them, you say, well, what could they ever suffer with? I'm broke all the time and they have all this money and they've got nice cars and they've got beautiful children and they're all healthy and I have this problem and that problem and that problem. See, you've got your problems on display. Some of us don't display our problems. I say us because I am this brother who sits in a beautiful place and I'm constantly pointing to you and showing you how beautiful the gate is. Oh yeah, that's me. I am this brother. I am the crippled man laying in a beautiful place showing you how beautiful. Look at the splendor of God. Look at the majesty of that baby. That baby's name is Jesus. And look how beautiful it is. And when you look at me, a brother like me who testifies of the beauty around me, you think I ain't never got nothing wrong. But trust me, my crippledness is hidden and disguised. But I'm pointing to the beauty around me. And what you need to know is no matter where you are, both things are true. Right now, wherever you are and however you exist, both realities are true in your life right now. You have beauty and crippledness around your life right now. That's why some people come to church and they're always quiet. Because just about the time they're about to shout, because they have been shown the beauty of that baby, something taps them on the shoulder and points out the ugliness that they carried in here. And they can't seem to find the strength to praise God because they, all they can remember is the ugly. And that's why other of us can't shut up when we come to the house of God. Because just about the time we was about to give up and give out, we made it as far as that beautiful gate, and we thought we might die there. But then the preacher got up and reminded us of how beautiful the promises of God is, and somehow, someway, uh, what was crippled got strength. What was dead came alive. What was in darkness came into a wonderful light, and we found ourselves running and leaping and praising God because nothing can hold you down when you're running after Jesus, somebody give him a hand clap in the sh So you see me in the hallway, you see me at Walmart, you say, how you doing, Pastor? I say, I'm doing good. I'm doing well. I'm blessed. And that's the truth. But then I can see you in the next aisle. You found me by the bananas and I'm doing good. And that's the truth. Catch me over by the ice cream and ask me, how you doing, Pastor? And I'll say, there's some areas up under attack. I'm tired. I'm beat up. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I've thought about quitting. Surrender has crossed my mind. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Over at the bananas, wasn't you by the beautiful gate? What you telling me just five minutes ago that everything was good? Yeah, because in some parts of my life, I'm good. Some parts of my life, my kids are blessed. Some parts of my life, I'm feeling better than I've felt in a long time in my body. Some parts of my life, everything has come down and it's real chill. And at the same time, other parts of my life are unraveling thread by thread. And it feels like I have no control. That's called chaos. And I've come here this morning to decree and declare over your life that when you have chaos, get ready for the Spirit of God to move in that area. What happens when your bad time runs into your good time? What happens when your lame ugliness runs into your beautiful gate? When half of your life is going up and the other half of your life is bottoming out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in this church? You're not lying to either of us. When you tell one of us that you are doing well and you tell the other one that you're falling apart, you're not lying to anybody because in some areas of your life, everything is buttoned up. Everything is well. It is well with my soul. 
And in other areas of your life, you are barely holding on. Now notice, this lame man was looking for a handout. He was not looking for a miracle. We've been talking about living a life beyond ordinary. We're talking about miracles. This boy is not even looking for a miracle. One of the most amazing things about God is how he finds folks who ain't even looking for him. I'm telling you, that's how I'm here. If you have ever been blessed by anything that I have ever said or any time I've ministered to you in the altar or anything I've ever posted on Facebook, if you've been blessed by this sermon so far today, then you ought to be thankful that God finds folks that ain't looking for Him because that's how I ended up in this pulpit this morning. I was not out looking for God. God drugged me to an altar. God found me and spoke life over my life when I was not looking for Him. How is it that I'm trying to live my life the way I want to and then God shows up? I'm trying to live my life with chaos. You're not going to help me. I'm trying to live my life with a certain level of chaos because that's the life I've chosen. But wherever there's chaos, get ready for the Spirit of the Lord to move. Oh, some of you with prodigal sons and daughters, you better be speaking that over your children's life because they may be choosing a life of chaos today, but Albert Mitchum did that too. And whenever there's chaos, get ready for the Spirit of God to move in that place. Uh, Peter says, silver and gold have I none. Because his brother wasn't looking for Jesus, he was looking for silver. And Peter pointed out what he didn't have. And can I tell you that everybody in this room and everybody watching by live stream this morning, we all know what we don't have because we gripe about it all the time. We all realize what we are lacking. But what I come to preach to you about this morning is you need to learn what you do have. Because so often we go on Facebook and we gripe and complain and text our, our BFFs about all the stuff that we don't have. We're sitting at a beautiful place, but we are crippled. We're talking about all the things that we are lacking. But I need you to get your attention this morning on what you do have. He said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do got is going to wreck your world. Uh-huh. He said, what I do have, is better. I may have given you enough to go down to Starbucks and get you a Frappuccino, but I'm about to give you, uh, listen, listen, I, I know some of y'all love to get your, your coffee in the morning. I, I know some of y'all uh, love to go get, uh, uh, go get your uh, brand new fries that just come up out of the oil vat. I know some of you love to go and, and, and you can't even start your day unless you've got a, a certain amount of coffee up in your system. I get it. I do. But this brother was asking for nickels and dimes, and what Peter said was, if I give you enough to go down to Starbucks, you're going to need Starbucks again tomorrow. But what I'm about to do is going to permanently bless your life. And God sent this preacher here this morning to tell somebody he is ready to permanently bless somebody. I wish somebody would get excited in this house. He wants to permanently bless some folks today. 2020 has been tough enough. He is ready to overcome it and permanently bless you. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I'm going to tell you first what I don't have before I introduce you to what I do have. In the name. I ain't even said that name yet. Come on, promise of victory. In the name. If I get ready to say that name, demons are going to start trembling. I hope you do too. In the name. See, when I start saying that name, I can feel mountains start moving out of my life. I feel a permanent blessing when I start invoking that name. In the name. This is not just some name. This is not just any random name. This is not picking a name out of a baby book. This is that name. That name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. In the name. When I see it Depression starts backing up. In the name, when I say that name, disease is going to start moving out. In the name, when I say that name, marriages are going to start being healed. Prodigals are going to start coming home. In the name of Jesus. Somebody join me. Does anybody know that name? That baby's name was Jesus. Somebody shout it loud. Jesus. 
Jesus. Hallelujah. Peter said, you don't know what I'm going to give you. So he reached down and grabbed a brother and helped him to his feet and lifted him up. And it didn't happen any other time of the day but at the hour of prayer. Say what you want to, but I'm thankful for prayer. I'm glad in 2020 that I have had a lifeline to heaven, and that lifeline has been prayer because prayer will get you out and prayer will bring you in. And you don't even have to be the one praying. Do you know how many of you are sitting in this building this morning saved, sanctified, and filled with God's Holy Ghost and you wasn't even the one that prayed you in? Somebody that you wasn't even in the room when they was doing the praying and you have victory today because somebody prayed for you? Does anybody know that there was a mama back in your past because mama prayed me in? Mama got me when I wasn't looking for God. Does anybody in this church know somebody was praying for you? See, you ain't even got to be one praying. You just have to be the target of somebody's prayers. And you get touched. You get in an atmosphere of prayer, and it affects your life. In fact, with all due respect, when I'm going through trouble, I am careful who I talk to. Hear me? When I'm struggling, there are some phone calls that I just go to decline and let it go to voicemail. Because I don't need no more negativity in my life. I need somebody. Listen, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up. And he lifted him up. See, sometimes when I'm down, I need somebody that's going to lift me up. You need some lifters in your life. I wish I had a witness in this church. The value of your friends is not how long you have known them. The value of your friends is not how many experiences you had way back when. Maybe you went to the prom together. Maybe you was on the same football squad together. Maybe you've known them since you was knee high to a grasshopper. That is not the value of a friendship. A friendship is valued by folks that see See you when you're down and say, I can't leave you like that. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And if you can't do it, I'll pick you up myself. I need some folks in my life that know he is strong and able. I need some people that when I have a problem, they say, problem? This is the hour of prayer. When I'm sick in my body, I need some people around me that says, this is the hour of prayer. And they don't just say they're going to pray for me. They pray for me. I need some people that when they see I'm down and depressed, when I'm sitting at a beautiful place with an ugly situation, they don't just say, oh, well, I don't know what's wrong with them. They say, depression, this is the hour of prayer. You unleash heaven on the people you care about. You hear me. When's the last time you prayed until somebody got victory? When's the last time you shook heaven until somebody got saved? When's the last time you shook heaven until somebody that was sick got delivered? I'm talking about somebody who looks you dead in the eye and says, you know what? It, you've come too far to give up now. God's got plans for you. Don't you? I'm going to pray for you until I see you physically get up, until I see you spiritually get up, until I see you emotionally get up. I'm not going to cease to pray for you until you have the victory. Those are the people you need in your life. Those are the friends you need. You need to look at your checkbook sometime and say, Checkbook, this is the hour of prayer. I speak resurrection and I speak life. I mentioned this a few weeks ago in this series because we've been talking about miracles. I talked about expectation. The Bible says it was during the hour of prayer and he expected a handout. He expected alms. He expected a quarter. Can I tell you that if you want to promote, if you want to provoke God to do something in your life, you need to expect him to do something. And don't get me wrong. You can't expect everything God's going to do because the Bible says he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. So he'll blow your mind. He's got blessings for you you can't even comprehend. At the same time, you need to expect something 
We got too many folks that comes to church out every Sunday out of habit, but they ain't expecting nothing. And when you don't expect nothing, you don't get nothing. So I want to encourage you, not just during this series, but every single time you walk into the house of God, you need to expect God to do something. And maybe you don't have great faith, but you expect Him to do something. See, something's going to happen if you expect. Something's going to happen if you pray. Something's going to happen if you'll shout. Something's going to happen if you'll fight one more fight. Something is going to happen when you praise Him when you expect him to do something something's going to happen that is going to show you who God is that baby's name was Jesus 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 you will find the baby the Bible says that they had a star the wise men had a star that they followed to find the baby. The shepherds had an angel. Told them there was a, a baby born. Pointed them in the right direction. You'll find a baby. You'll find Jesus. That baby's name will be Jesus. So, so you'll find the baby. And they had a star. They had an angel. When Jesus was crucified, the disciples had no problem finding him. The whole town was walking down the Villa de Rosa. Everybody knew where the crucifixion was happening. It's not hard to find Jesus in a manger. It's not hard to find Jesus on a cross. It's not even hard to find Jesus in the church. But what I'm tasked with this morning is asking you, can you find him in your chaos? I know you can come to church and find him. This praise team starts singing. You, you got to be blind, deaf, and dumb not to find Jesus in a house like this. I mean, all your senses have to be not working. You, you can find Jesus at Christmas. You can find him at Easter. You can find him in the church on Sunday. But can you locate that baby in your chaos when all hell is breaking out against you? When all manners of mess is falling, and I mean, it's those situations where you see the beauty around you, but inside you are lame. You are crippled emotionally, crippled spiritually, crippled in your relationships, crippled in your hope, crippled in your faith. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's in those moments. Can you find Jesus? Not when the praise team's praising. Not when the preacher's preaching. Can you find him when they call you and tell you that your baby, baby done went to jail? Can you find him at the oncologist's office? Can you find him when you're, when you're signing divorce papers that you did not ask to sign? Can you find that baby in your chaos. I have preached for 39 minutes and 25, 26, 27 seconds to tell you wherever there's chaos, you should expect his spirit to move. Wherever there is a void and no form and chaos, expect his spirit to move. Close your eyes with me this morning all over this building. Do you see him? You in some pain? Do you see him? Have you gotten some bad news lately? Do, do you see him? Are you struggling to pay your bills? And you've been worried about how to make ends meet? Can you see him? Is your life void and without form? Do you have a hole inside of you somewhere that nothing seems to be filling? Try Jesus. Give yourself to Jesus and he will fill you completely. Do you see him? You're in a storm, but do you see him? You're in a hurricane. 
You're in total darkness and chaos is all over your life. But do you see him? Holy Spirit, right now in this place, I pray that you will prick every heart and every mind. God, not so that we have some rudimentary emotional catharsis here in this building, but God, that we have a life-changing and destiny-altering experience with you. That from this point going forward, we realize that no matter how ugly our situation is, you're with us in the chaos. That baby did not stay in a manger, but he is with us right here, right now. Show yourself Strong and mighty to every person under the sound of my voice and every person watching my live stream. Show yourself right now. Touch their heart and bring perfect peace. Let them see you, Jesus. Let them see you in your majesty. See you in your totality. Let them see you for who you are. The lover of their soul. Jesus name you know the best Christmas gift that you'll ever give be to yourself and it'll be when you surrender all of you to all of him that's the best Christmas gift you'll ever give because it's a Christmas gift that doesn't just last until January 1st it doesn't just last until next Christmas it alters your eternity it changes your DNA spiritually and makes you a son and a daughter of God. That's what that baby was born for, to bring you into the kingdom. And I pray that this holiday season, I pray that that can't get out of your mind. If you haven't dedicated and devoted all of you to him, I pray as the Lord is my witness here, gave me breath to breathe. I pray that when you lay down to sleep at night, you hear this, this hoopy preacher's voice. Speaking in your head, get right with God, get right with God, get right with God. Because that's what this season's about. It's not about trees or ornaments or presents. It's about a baby named Jesus who will move over your chaos. I love your promise of victory. Merry Christmas to you. Before you leave, the ushers are going to be giving you some, some uh, oh my goodness, I see somebody up there in the hallway. Wow. <clears throat> Well, cat's out of the bag now. Hallelujah. God bless your promise of victory. We've got a video for you to watch.